What's up, everyone? This is episode number 63 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future and presented by the Bench Clear Media Network. This is your host, Kyle. And as always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast. My Twitter is at Wax Museum PC. All right, so we may not have sports just yet. We're getting closer, I feel. But there's still a lot going on in the hobby. And this week, I want to try and cover a number of hobby happenings and maybe tie up some loose ends in the process. The main part of this episode is going to talk about a couple of LeBron James RPAs, one copy I've talked about before, and another that has emerged on the scene since. But first, I've got a few updates that I think you guys might want to know about. Some of these will be quicker than others, like this first one. Earlier this week, Panini sold a one-of-one digital card of Zion Williamson on their blockchain platform for a cool $7,894.74. This sale was accompanied by a bolded note that said, quote, Blockchains are digital cards only and do not include a physical card. So first off, congratulations to Panini. I don't know if Guinness has an entry for the world's highest JPEG sale. If so, I feel pretty confident saying that this is a new record. Um, And if this can only be resold on their marketplace, they're going to get a percentage of this card every time it moves from one owner to the next. It's pretty incredible for a virtual relic card. Someone on my Twitter joked that uh, some of the card doctors are going to come along with Photoshop and trim it up any day now, which I thought was pretty funny. But hey, collect what you like. 2020 has been wild. Um, If someone told me that this person turned around and, and flipped the digital card for a profit in a month or two, I can't say I'd be completely shocked because it only takes one more person to pay more. So it seems goofy to me. I know a lot of other people expressed that same feeling, but hey, this person might make some money off of it. Who knows? Um, Anyway, on to the status updates. Um, The National. A lot of people have been asking, what's going to happen with the National this year? Well, I talked about this situation a little um, about a month ago and how the Atlantic City location is being used as a field hospital. Well, this past weekend, we got an official update via the show's website, and they said, um, quote, National officials have explored alternative dates and sites in which to hold the National in 2020. The health and safety of our dealers, sponsors, athletes, and staff are of the utmost priority. Therefore, we are announcing the postponement of the 2020 National. Should state and federal guidelines indicate it is safe to hold an event like the National in 2020, We will have tentative plans to hold the event in Atlantic City from December 12th through the 16th. We would expect any such guidelines would ensure the safety of our exhibitors and attendees. We will monitor the situation and make a decision by the middle of September. This will allow enough time for participants to plan for the December show, should it be feasible. If it is not deemed safe to hold the event by the end of the year, we will cancel the 2020 National and begin planning for the 2021 National in Chicago. Uh, And then they close by saying that ticket holders may use previously purchased tickets at the rescheduled event or request a refund. Now, I understand that there's a lot of money wrapped up in this event, and that's for all people involved, the organizers, the dealers, the attendees, 
Uh, I'm fortunate that I was dragging my feet a little in the first place. I was very, very close to booking my travel before the COVID situation. Uh, I feel for people that have to work to get their money back, which you know I don't know if there are really hotels or airlines out there that are giving them that are giving people problems. I, I don't think that's happening, but if they are, you know, I feel for them. I hope everything can be resolved. Um, I am not a big fan of the new date for the show. And remember, it's just tentative. But this it's a week before Christmas. Traveling probably isn't going to be cheap. For anyone that has kids, they're going to be taking midterms around this time. There's a good chance the weather is going to be bad. You know, what's to say that the athletes are willing to even go there and sign? You know, because of course, we don't know what the coronavirus situation is going to be at that point. So, Obviously, you have to make your own decision. As of right now, there is no way that I'll be there. Uh, I really don't think they're going to have it anyway, though. I think they should just scrap it and focus on Chicago in 2021. But I know there are a lot of logistics that have to be worked out before a decision like that is made. Um, in the meantime, I figure Justin, who's been on this show, you know, 610 Sports Cards, on Instagram and some of his friends will be working out another virtual show by then. He's helped coordinate similar shows over the last three months. They just had one. Um, so, you know, it's been successful. If if he if they decide to do another show around that time, I'll do my best to keep you guys in the loop. Okay. Uh, another status update, ComC. I know a lot of you guys use ComC. If you aren't familiar with that service, it stands for Check Out My Cards or comc.com, C-O-M-C.com. You can send cards in to sell there. You can buy and sell in their marketplace. Um, they hold the cards in their warehouse until you're ready to have them shipped. I like it a lot because I can uh, buy from 30 or 40 different sellers and get it all shipped in one envelope or one box for one reasonable cost. Also, I can you know make small flips on there to try and fund PC items without having to actually... Um, ever hold the cards that I don't plan on keeping. Well, anyway, they sent out their formal update on Tuesday of this past week, and the big news there revolved around processing and shipping. They noted that they are currently running about four to five weeks behind on their retired basic processing service and are working to close that gap. And they said, quote, Our economy shipping has been impacted the most. We are currently working on our oldest orders from mid-March and will continue in the order received until we are caught up. All digital transactions through our ComC marketplace and eBay are fully operational and only processing and shipping are experiencing delays. Um, So hopefully if you have stuff in there, it is going to get processed soon. They also announced that they're suspending their 12-week processing service and that they're postponing the spring cleaning sale. Um, You know, I haven't talked much about ComC on the show yet, but like I said, I do enjoy the site. Um, I've made a couple of good sales there lately, and I've decided to take about half of that money and cash out so I can spend it on eBay for the time being. Um, You know, it it seems like a lot of people are sending in just low-end base cards. They're finding boxes of cards and sending them in without really thinking if each card is worth the listing fee. Um, But anyway, I hope they get caught up and I plan to keep supporting them and using their site with the credit that I still have on there. You know, who knows? There might be some really good stuff that's backed up right now that's about to drop and maybe I'll miss out by cashing out. Who knows? Um, Next status update, PSA. 
PSA had their quarter three earnings call headed up by our good friend, Joe Orlando. Um, they are back up and running. And it's no secret that they have a backlog, but I figure some of you would like a little update. Joe noted that the PSA submission backlog, quote, continues to grow to unprecedented levels. Currently, the trading card backlog alone remains north of 1 million units. They then talked about the measures they've taken to ensure all their employees stay safe, which of course is important. They talked about the strength of the sports card and collectibles market. They talked about how in the month of April, I thought this was interesting. In the month of April, the Collector's Universe website set all-time traffic records for total monthly sessions and page views. And I don't know, you know, maybe that was people checking on the status of their submissions. Um, but that, that was a really interesting stat, and I, I'm sure there's a lot that we could take from that. I don't want to read too much into it, um, but I, I, I was kind of interested to hear that. Anyway, the call was short and sweet. It was 23 minutes in all. If we go through all the grading here, um, I saw a lot of people were sending their stuff to SGC this past week. And because their, their sales pitch was essentially, we're still open, send us your cards. And that's, that's not even sarcasm. That's what their website says in giant bold letters when you log on. Um, they were pretty active on social media talking about shattering records and, and how their time is now. And I mentioned Peter's appearance on last week's Cardboard Chronicles they haven't really posted anything on social media in the last five days, and I imagine they're pretty swamped. I talked about how I sent them a handful of cards a couple of weeks ago just to kind of uh, test the waters and, and test grading out for my myself and hopefully create some content out of it. Um, you know, I'm not going to look at them yet, but I saw that the grades just dropped a day or two ago. I know they're behind a little bit, but I'm interested to see how they handle this new surge of business. Well, I can't talk about the other two grading companies without talking about BGS. And trust me, we're going to talk a lot about BGS today. Um, I looked for updates on their website or social media, and the only thing I saw was a notice that they're starting drop-off and pickup services at their Dallas office. Um, however, though, they have been very busy writing letters, which I'll get to in a moment. Before I get to that, let's talk about Fanatics real quick. You might know this brand from buying their exclusive optic sets or some of your favorite team's merchandise. Now you can help support the Wax Museum podcast every time you shop there for fan gear or collectibles. If you'd like to help the show in this way, you can go to benchclear.us slash fanatics where we have an affiliate link. Just shop as planned, get a nice discount, and the BenchClear Media Network gets a small commission as well. It's a win-win. Okay, so back to BGS. Um, I know pieces of this story have made the rounds a little bit, but I want to address it since it involves um, that famous LeBron RPA thread from Blowout that I talked about in episode 17 and 18. And um, I'm going to do the best I can to give you the background that you need because there's a lot of stuff involved with this. And, and similar to that thread... There are a lot of pieces that are hard to put together in linear fashion, but I'm going to give it my best shot. Um, before I get too far into this, I want to remind everyone that I'm not placing a value on these cards. I didn't do it in episode 17 and 18. I'm not going to do it now. I tried not to do it for the other big RPAs either. 
I don't want to, you know, state what they've sold for or what I think they should sell for. I'm not trying to devalue anyone's cards or anyone's investments. I just want to report on some of the events that have happened in the hobby and, and then give my take on why they're relevant to the bigger picture of the hobby today. So even if you're someone that has no interest in ever owning a LeBron James RPA or you don't think you'll ever have the means to own one, um, a lot of the stuff that goes on with this particular card, I think, um, affects the rest of the hobby in one way or another. So I do think it's relevant and I think it's worth talking about. And hopefully you'll see that by the end of this episode. Um, so I know it's been a long time since episode 17 and 18. Some of you have been with me this whole time. Others have joined since then. No matter when you started listening, I'm glad you're here. Let me summarize what I talked about real quick. Episode 17 talked about the 2003-2004 exquisite set in general and why it's such a big deal. You know, the set has become iconic over time as a result of, of mainly three things: content, um, you know, meaning the the players that are in the set, scarcity, and timing. Right? If this, when I say timing, if this card had come out, you know, in 2002. For Yao Ming and Amari Stoudemire, you know, who knows if it would have been as big. Even though those were good rookies, who knows if it would have been as big. Um, obviously, LeBron James has lived up to the hype. It came out in 2003, so he's lived up to the hype. And his rookie patch auto number to 99 has become the premier card out of the premier set of the beginning of the high-end boom. So then it should be no surprise that one of the most coveted basketball cards of all time has seen its fair share of controversy, including pricing manipulation, uh, trimming, theft, and so on. And in episode 18, I talked about a thread on Blowout that ended up being a, um, a sort of starting point for all of the trimming and alteration discoveries over the last year and a half. Well, after about 150 pages of conversation, it looked like there were five known copies of the card that had been altered in some way. And remember, I'm just reporting on the conversations that took place. So these copies include the following. Um, 21 of 99, which uh, I posted that on Instagram before. It's got major paper tears. The auto is completely torn off. I've never seen another one like it. I still have no idea what caused, caused all of that. Uh, we have number 63 of 99, which has a one-color patch that was swapped out. 64 of 99 appears to have been a botched trim job. And then 74 of 99 and 87 of 99 have pictures that show previous damage, or what appears to be previous damage, that is not present in their current slabbed state. Um, now, I mentioned those five. I'm not including 44 out of 99 here, which is a copy that I've seen with two different patches. You know, Somebody sent me that picture once. I saw it on Instagram again a few weeks ago with some sort of certification letter from Upper Deck. I can't make heads or tails of what happened with that one. I don't have enough info on the original picture, so I'm, I'm just including that one right now. Not to say that's altered, but just to let you know, I haven't forgot about it before I get a bunch of messages about it. Okay, that's all that you need to know about that card for now. Okay, so since all of this, this whole thread, you know, the, the first 150 pages of it went down, I feel like we've seen an increase in the number of LeBron exquisite RPAs that have come up for sale. 
uh, with some of the big auction houses. And I don't think there's any correlation between the threat and the sales necessarily, but it seems like there are less actual private sales to me. But then again, if they're private sales, you know, I wouldn't know. So I, I'm just telling you what it seems like. Um, I know there was a BGS 8.5 for sale in August at Heritage. Um, not long after that in November, Golden featured a BGS 8, which I think Josh from Cardboard Chronicles ended up with that one. I know he had been working very hard to consolidate towards it. Um, about a month later, a BGS 9 showed up at Heritage Auctions. And then around the same time, a BGS 9.5 showed up on eBay, and that was numbered 25 out of 99, and that's one that we're going to talk about a lot today. Um, in fact, it was the third BGS 9.5 that was graded in 2006. Um, even though this set came out in 2003, um, a lot of people don't realize that BGS didn't start slabbing these in an actual slab until the summer of 2006 because they didn't have a thick slab for them in the first few years. All right, so um, speaking of 25 of 99, um, the individual, or I think it was a group of individuals, I'm not going to name names here, I'm just going to speak of them as, as their group, um, that purchased this card um, they posted it on Blowout, so they made it public that they purchased this. Uh, and they pointed out that they had um, another poster on Blowout, check it out and give his opinion on it. And we'll call that other poster 312 for short. His username has a lot of numbers in it. Anyway, 312 is a respected name when it comes to vetting cards to see whether or not they've been trimmed. So he checked it out. The prospective buyers or the eventual buyers did all their homework as much as they could. When you combine that with the old label, everything pointed to this being a copy that was free of all major defects or alterations. So that was a big deal because it was an old label. It was a, a three-color patch. Um, it was a high grade, a 9.5. So it was a really big deal. Well, another month passes and 312 posts an old picture of this same card, 25 out of 99, that he received from someone's personal files that appears to show that card with some damage on it. And this picture was from February of 2006. Now, um, a lot of people in this thread thought it was strange for 312 to vet the card and then out it a month later. It was never revealed if he broke the news of the possible alteration to the new owners before he posted um, or if they had to find out when everyone else did. But anyway, by the time they did find out, the card was already in the PWCC vault. And I've talked about the vault before, but the idea is that people can choose to have their items shipped to and stored in the vault in Oregon, which just so happens to be a sales tax-free state. Um, their cards are fully secured, insured, and so on. There are more there, there's a lot more to the vault. I don't want to you know, simplify it too much, but I don't have time to go through all of it. You can check out their website if you're interested. If you're a regular customer of the company, it looks like there are some definite benefits of using the service. Okay. So anyway, this 25 out of 99 LeBron James card was in there in that old BGS 9.5 slab. And after these new pictures emerged, it looked like the card was removed from the vault for a little bit, and we would find out later why. 
So on this thread, then, conversation continues um, between people on the forum. Finally, on March 1st, 312, the guy who vetted it and then outed it, comes back and notifies everyone, quote, I'm now done posting in this thread following a threat I have been sent due to outing this card. Have a good night, everyone, end quote. So um, that definitely caused a little bit of a scene. And there's more conversation about the grading history of the card. I won't go through all that. Um, the, th- the thread goes quiet again for about a month and a half. And then a blowout administrator comes in with new information and locks the thread to prevent anyone from posting in there again. But here's what they had to say. It has been brought to our attention that BGS has reviewed this card in direct response to speculation posted in this thread about the possibility of it having been altered. BGS was made aware of all comments in this thread, and the card was removed from the slab and re-examined by two senior graders. As the attached letter will attest, BGS has again determined that the grades are accurate and that the card is unaltered. This card has been examined in hand by BGS now on two separate occasions, and on both occasions it has received an unaltered assessment. As a result of being contacted by an attorney representing the card owner, we have locked the thread and advise all to review their comments and guide themselves accordingly as it relates to the LeBron James 2003-2004 exquisite RPA 25-99. Future posts regarding this card will be closely monitored by counsel. Okay, so that's a lot to take in. And then they attach scans of the two letters for reference, and both of the, well, the first one, I should say, is fairly lengthy. The second one's not. But I encourage you to read those on your own. I'll do my best to provide a summary for you here. The first is a letter from um, Brent at PWCC. And I I joked about it, but I'm kind of tempted to use this as an editing bell work activity um, whenever the next school year starts because there were some major typos on here. And two of them, in fact, were in the same sentence. But anyway, uh, the letter opens by saying, This letter serves as a statement of perceived value loss to the below-described asset in your ownership and currently in storage with the PWCC vault. So this is, of course, referring to the LeBron. Brent talks about how the card was accused of being altered on the message boards and that Beckett reviewed the card again and confirmed the 9.5 grade it already had. He then says the card should hold full market value and gives his estimate I'm not going to give that amount here. Uh, you can look that up on your own. I'll probably, you know, it was the letter was posted publicly. I'll try and throw it up on my Instagram at some point. Um, he continues that he thinks the history of the card on the message boards has brought the value down 25 to 30%. And he says that he has another investor interested in the card And that investor agrees with his value estimation, but because of the actions on the message boards, he is now only willing to offer half of that. So that was the first letter. The second letter that Blowout posts for reference is from Jeremy Murray, um, who is the vice president of grading at BGS, and it's it's, um, addressed to PWPC. And I've corresponded with Jeremy a, a little before and, and, and talked about on him on this show and, and talked about talking with him on this show. This letter is pretty short and to the point. 
Um, it says, Dear PWCC, thank you for submitting the card listed above for review. This card was originally graded in November of 2006 and submitted for review on March 3rd, 2020. Per your request, I did remove the card from the original BGS holder and had two of our senior graders re-examine the card. Upon that review, and in our opinion, we determined that the grades for the card are accurate and the card is unaltered. The card has been recased in a new holder and a new label was created using the original serial number. Please feel free to share this information with your buyer and or seller. If you have any other questions, please feel free to let us know. And once again, Blowout posted that uh, publicly for everyone to see, so this isn't anything secret. Um, But basically, PWCC is saying we're going to defer to Beckett here since they're the grading experts. And that kind of puts the onus on them, if anything, questionable comes up from this point forward. Um, And then Beckett has decided that pictures of apparent damage can't influence the in-person grading process. Now, they didn't come out and say that, but that's essentially what's happening here. And they've doubled down on their stance that this card is good. And then there's been a lot of legal action threatened. Well, um, and remember, all of this stuff is public. I'm just trying to put the pieces together for you so it's all in one spot so you can make your own decision. Not long after that, Sports Card Radio reported that one of the owners that was threatening, one of the owners of this card that was threatening legal action over this LeBron is also suing Panini and BGS over a trim Tom Brady auto. This is a a separate case that's already been in the works. Um, So, you know, what's the background of that? Let's let's find that out so we can, you know, make heads or tails of this. Um, So for a little bit of background info, this card was trimmed. It was very famous, very popular, very expensive, you know, holy grail of Tom Brady cards, right? Panini didn't know that it was trimmed and they inserted it into a Panini product as a sort of uh, buyback. So one of the owners of the LeBron um, bought this Brady, didn't know it was trimmed. Panini didn't know it was trimmed. He sent it to BGS. They didn't know it was trimmed. And it came back as an 8.5. And then according to the SCR article, it says that the owner wanted BGS to put a special one-of-one designation on the holder, but BGS refused. So the owner then took it to PSA to, I guess, to make all of that happen. Well, they said it was trimmed. So that wasn't the the, uh, result he was looking for. So that prompted Panini and BGS to take another look at the card, and they agreed with PSA that the Brady was trimmed. Um, you know, I would say, you know, Panini, whether they knew it or not, they were definitely in the wrong here. You can't put trimmed cards in products. And I don't know what they plan to do to make it right or if they've done anything yet, but they are being sued over it. And that trial is scheduled for August. Um, SCR, you know, I've mentioned them several times. They did the reporting on this story. They have one of the legal documents posted on their site. Um, you know, they broke it, the story. I encourage you to check it out if you'd like. So, after that story was posted and there's you know more information being contributed here, there was some interesting back and forth regarding the situation on the blowout forums. And one poster even went on to say, uh, and I'll quote him because I'm trying to show some different perspectives here. Um, this is kind of a lengthy quote, but he said, 
This explains why BGS buckled and gave him what he wanted on that trimmed basketball card from 2003-2004 Exquisite. Anyone else see the irony that because PSA said the Brady card was trimmed, he is willing to accept that BGS was incorrect in their determination, then backpedaled and said it was trimmed after all. Yet BGS was strong-armed into saying that the LeBron James RPA is unaltered despite the clear evidence to the contrary, and now other people are supposed to buy that the card is unaltered, and then he put in parentheses, ignoring evidence, because BGS says so. Now, I know, and like I said, that's somebody else's quote. I know that's a lot to take in, but um, what I took from it is that this poster is, uh, they're asking a good question. Uh, basically, they're saying, how can the owner disagree with BGS's trimmed ruling on the Brady but then also use them to double down on the fact that their LeBron grade is accurate. So that was some of the chatter regarding that card. Um, you know, and who knows where all of that will go or what that what will come of that lawsuit, if anything. Um, but our favorite pen pals of the hobby weren't done. And BGS actually wrote another letter to PWCC regarding another LeBron James RPA in question. This one is 74 of 99. Now, if that number sounds familiar to you, it's because it was one of the two cards that was owned by Buy Nice Cards, or some people call them BNC. Um, and it was one of these cards that started the whole trimming investigation movement. It was one of the two LeBron RPAs from the infamous LeBron thread. Now, I want to quote people accurately, so I went back to that thread um, to hear from BNC firsthand because he did post in there. Um, regarding those two cards, he said, remember this was the, the two that he owned that people um, you know, were accusing of being altered and it looked like there was some evidence that they might be altered, right? So he said, it has always been my goal to hold these cards as long as I possibly could and I think owning them for five years supports that. I never had any real intention of selling them, and I still do not. If the point comes where I want to sell them, all I can say is that I will do my best to handle it as responsibly as possible. I understand the magnitude of these cards and the responsibility I have of owning these. I cannot predict the future, and at this point I cannot imagine selling them, so it's hard to know how I may or may not go about it when that time comes. This is all I can really promise for now, and hopefully it's found to be reasonable. End quote. Well, if you ever wanted to own one of those two cards, you had that opportunity last week when it was up for sale in the PWCC vault. And there was a note in the subtitle that said, Beckett reviewed and grade confirmed. BGS letter included. Now, as some members of the blowout forums have pointed out, there are some really high quality pictures of this card out there um, that show major damage on, on one of the edges. And the damage does not appear on the card in the slab. So it's a little strange. And, and I believe the vault, um, after that thread was posted, eventually took that card down. I don't know what's going to happen with it. You know, I don't know if PWCC is going to bounce this back to Beckett and say, you know, or can you look at it again? Because it seems like they've already looked at it twice. So I don't know what's going to happen. But uh, there's a bigger picture here. You know, where am I going with all of this? I can't see myself ever owning a LeBron RPA. 
Um, some might even say there's just not a lot of them to go around. This card obviously interests me, though, because I like studying the history of the hobby. Um, but both of these situations might relate to us more than we think. And like I said earlier, I'm not trying to devalue anyone's card or slander anyone or slander anyone's card or misrepresent anyone's side here. I've tried to present the facts as I know them and, and several different perspectives along the way. But this does make me question what exactly Beckett is doing. So I sent Jeremy Murray of BGS an email. We know from these situations that he's more than capable of writing back now. Um, and I feel like this could be effective because when a lot of us, and I say us because you guys joined in and you guys did a great job, when a lot of us emailed regarding the Curry RPA, they listened and indicated for us that they were going to start tracking serial numbers. So they are listening. And for anyone that questioned why they should track serial numbers, well, that could have helped clear some of this LeBron mess up as well. So anyway, I want to read what I wrote to them. I'm just going to share that with you. Um, and, and then um, I have a few remarks after that and then I'll close. So I said, hello. Recently, your company issued letters that certify grades for two LeBron James exquisite RPAs in question. As you know, there are pictures of these same cards that seem to show obvious damage. What role, if any, do pictures play in the re-examination of these cards? In the case of the 74 of 99, it was supposedly graded as a BGS 7.5 in the past. Do you have any records of that card or serial number that might exist that might assist in this examination. Lastly, can you confirm serial numbers are actually being tracked going forward? What measures specifically are being taken to log these cards? I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for your time. All right, that message was sent out on Monday. I'm recording this on Wednesday night and haven't heard anything back yet. I know that's not a lot of time, so I'm gonna give them some more time. Um, but as I close, if you're listening to that, and if this is something that resonates with you, I would encourage you to email them as well. Um, if, if you're in the mindset, you know, well, this isn't going to do anything, that's fine. Um, don't try and get in the way of, of these efforts. If you see other people trying this, don't try and discourage them. Uh, but you don't have to take part in it either. Okay? I'm not, you know, no one's forced to do this. But please don't stand in the way of this if people are trying to do this. Um, but if this resonated with you, like I said, I would encourage you to email them. Um, your efforts in the past made a big difference and they were definitely heard. I think progress is being made, even if it is small. Um, and I also think that people who grade, and people who collect, and people who invest in these graded cards deserve to know more from BGS about their approach. All right. So there you have it. Uh, that's all I have for you guys this week. I hope you have a great weekend. Enjoy the last two episodes of The Last Dance. Uh, I'll be curled up in the fetal position as I revisit the Pacers Game 7 loss to the Bulls in 98. But uh, feel free to trot by my social media. My Instagram is at Podcast. My Twitter is at WaxMuseumPC. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. 
Hit up the Podbean site for a link to the merch store. Tag Taco Bell and let them know they can pay me in burritos. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast. Podcast.